Good morning, church. God bless everyone here and those that are watching us online. So today you will hear a different uh, version of your English, that the name is Panglish. <laughs> but the giver and the, um, the owner of the languages, he will make you understand. I hope so. We will read John 8, uh, 31 to 36. If you like to read uh, the Bibles in the pew, uh, page 894. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the word of God. Good morning again, church. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Exploring Christianity. Exploring Christianity. Why should we take the time to explore Christianity? Well, obviously, for a lot of you, it's because you're a Christian. So that's, that's an easy answer. So if you're a Christian, you should want to know what is Christianity all about. Uh, but maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. And maybe you've been thinking about some of the claims of Christianity. <clears throat> Christianity offers wisdom and understanding. Christianity offers hope and life, and as we'll talk about today, freedom. But really, this series, we're calling it Exploring Christianity, but, but um, I'll, let you, I'll let you see my cards. It's really exploring Christ. That's what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks. So, as I said, today we're going to talk about Christianity and freedom. Christianity and freedom. And over the next few weeks, we will look at other, uh, other topics, Christianity and identity, Christianity and sexuality, Christianity and the Bible, uh, other topics that we will be hitting along the way over the summer. This is a great series, folks, for those of you, again, that are, are, are maybe asking the hard questions about Christianity. Maybe you've had some doubts. Maybe you have a friend that you've been talking to about your faith. This is a great series for them to jump in on and watch the sermons, or better yet, attend and hear the sermons together. So Christianity and freedom. Uh, Who doesn't love freedom? Everybody loves freedom, don't we? We, Everybody wants to be free. That, That is a universal truism. If you don't want to be free, then you, you have some sort of problem. There's something going on with you. We all want to be free. We don't want to be in bondage. We want to be free indeed. Here in America, obviously, we have holidays to celebrate freedom. We're, we're in one of them right now today. We actually just added another one a couple weeks ago, Juneteenth. Juneteenth, another holiday to celebrate freedom. I think that's a, a wonderful thing. It's an amazing thing. We sing songs about freedom. We have TV shows and movies about freedom. Every commercial that you see tells you that you are free to buy their product, right? 
We have a declaration of independence. We have a statue of liberty. We have a liberty bell. We have a freedom tower. There are towns named freedom. We love freedom in America, don't we? It's our bread and butter. And let me be clear, God loves freedom too. God is the most free being in the universe. The Psalms say God is in His heaven and He does whatever He pleases. He is free. No one swindles God. No one manipulates God. No one convinces God. God is free. And God wants you to be free, doesn't He? He loves freedom. Pastor Andrew read Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ made us free. Freedom is the means and freedom is the end in that verse. God used freedom to make us free. Why? Why freedom? Why is freedom so important? Because without freedom, there's not love, is there? Without freedom, there's not… Have you ever tried to force someone to love you? How'd that go? Did that work? Probably not, right? You're going to love me. I'm going to make you love me. No, without freedom, there's not love, is there? Love is the end game of freedom. God made us free so that we can freely love. What is freedom? The dictionary says that freedom is the ability or right to act, speak, or think as you want without hindrance or restraint. So I can do what I want to do and nobody can stop me is basically what that's saying. That's freedom. For there to be freedom, I'm going to submit to you there has to be four things in play for us to be free indeed. Jesus said, who the sun sets free is free indeed. For you to be free, all four of these things have to be in play. Number one, you have to, you have, to have a desire what you desire then, you have to have the ability to do it. Then you have to have an opportunity to do it. And in the end, it has to be good for you. You can have a desire to do something terrible, the ability to do, to do the terrible thing, and an opportunity to do it, but you're still not going to be free, are you? You're going to be in bondage to guilt or to shame. You might literally be in bondage if you break a law. They will lock you up and take you away. So all of these have to be in play. Desire, ability, opportunity, and it has to be good. You have to be able to walk away from it with no regrets. I have done the right thing. So as we think about freedom and we think about how we all want freedom, my first lesson today, I want to I speak to those of you that aren't yet a Christian. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet, or maybe you're watching me online and uh, you're, you're still exploring, as the series says. You're still trying to figure out, am I, should I be a Christian? So here's lesson one. If you value freedom, you've already made a leap of faith toward Christ. One author said that the air we breathe is Christian air. The air we breathe is, the, is Christian air. Why do we say that? Because freedom is a purely Christian concept. Freedom is a purely Christian concept. So let me ask you a question. If you're here today and you say, I'm not a Christian yet, and I'm not, I'm not so sure about all this Christianity business, let me ask you this. Do you love freedom? 
Do you love equality? What about human rights? Are you for human rights? What about the ending of oppression? Are you for that? Do you love the idea of ending oppression? What about the idea of consent? You have to give so, somebody has to give their consent before you can do something to them. Do you like that idea? You probably do, right? What about tolerance? Do you like the idea of tolerance? That, that people should be able to speak their opinions? Freedom of thought, freedom of expression. Are you for that? What about even the idea of secularism? In other words, freedom of religion. That there should be a distinction between the secular and the sacred, a separation between church and state, let's say. Do you think that's a good thing? Or should the government be able to force everybody to believe a certain way? If you said yes to those, if you said, Brady, yeah, I love all of those ideas. Those are all Christian ideas. Without Jesus Christ, the person, Jesus Christ, none of those concepts would exist. The Old Testament comes close, God's, God's law to His people, the nation of Israel, Judaism. That's the, that's the birthplace of a lot of these ideas. But Christ is the one who came and said, through me, this, all of these ideas now spring to life. The idea of freedom. Listen, the Babylonians didn't come up with that. Hammurabi didn't come up with these concepts. The Assyrian Empire did not come up with these concepts. Even the ancient Greeks did not come up with these concepts. Jesus did. Jesus did. From Christ comes Christian values. Now, again, I'm talking to those of you who aren't saved yet, who aren't a Christian. From Christ comes Christian values. Let me ask you a question. If you're already living here, why not just take a look backwards at where they come from? Maybe what you'll find is that the author of these ideas is worth trusting. Maybe. Maybe the one who came up with the concepts of freedom and tolerance, the one who came up with the idea of love your enemy, do good to those who hurt you. If you like that idea, you're going to love the guy who came up with it. Give him a chance. But Brady, Christians are the least tolerant, the most bigoted people I know. Crusades, the slave trade, segregation. Those were all done under the banner of Christianity. And to that I say, yes, but why do you hate bigotry? Why do you hate slavery? Why do you hate oppression? You, the only reason you hate those things is because you live in a culture that has been influenced by Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ invented the end of slavery. Jesus Christ invented the end of oppression. Jesus Christ invented tolerance and the end of bigotry and prejudice. Don't look at the Christians who are messing it up and make a judgment about our Savior Jesus. Look at Jesus. Number two, now I want to talk to those of you who are Christians. Christians, beware of the deception and idolatry of freedom. So point number one was, freedom's amazing. (laughs) Point number two is, watch out for freedom. In John chapter 8, Jesus is surrounded by the religious Jews. And he says these words in verse, 20, in verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, what does that statement assume about them? It assumes that they're all a bunch of liars and slaves. Right? If he looks, if he looks at a group of people and says, you need the truth, and you need to be free. He's basically saying, you are full of lies and you are addicted. And he's talking to the religious, by the way. So church, listen up. Because a lot of us in this room are religious, right? You're here. Deceived and self-addicted. They believe that their heritage is their salvation. Did you catch it when Melba was reading? Uh, counter-argument, Jesus, we are children of Abraham. And because we are children of Abraham, we have never been slaves. They use their heritage as equal to freedom. Counter-counterpoint, Jews, you're a slave to sin, verse 34. You're a slave to sin. So these religious Jews... They're deceived into thinking that their heritage is their freedom, and they're blind to their own sin. What about us? What about us? Lies keep us thinking that we are better than, our, than we are, don't they? Lies keep us in our sin, don't they? The lie, the lie, the Garden of Eden lie is that you are at the center of the universe, that you are the center of you. That's the lie, and that lie is still grabbing hold in your heart, isn't it? So there's two freedoms that I I want us to be, be wary of. The first is the deception of individual freedom, and then the deception of national freedom. Let me talk about both of those very quickly. The deception of individual freedom. If you Google search freedom right now, if I pull out my phone and put freedom in there, and do go to images, if I tap images, eight out of ten pictures are going to be a picture of somebody alone, standing in a field, right, standing amongst trees. Freedom. This is freedom. Some guy on his boat. Freedom. But is alone freedom? Is individualism freedom? Brady, I don't do organized religion. I don't go to church. I just, I stay home. I watch it on TV. That's good enough for me. 
You're not free. You're not free. You're in bondage to your own self. The culture is telling you today, young people, listen up. The culture is telling you, us old people, we're, we're beyond help, right? So, <laughs> the culture is telling us, find yourself, follow your heart, achieve your dreams, speak your truth. But is that freedom? Is that freedom or is that a burden to carry that no man can carry, no woman can carry? And definitely no child. No eight-year-old can carry that. What's the finish line? How do I know when I achieved my dreams? What if my dreams change? What if my heart changes? What if my truth changes? It's a never-ending battle, isn't it? It's a never-ending search. We're all addicted to the self, aren't we? We all place self over God. We're all addicts of attention or achievement or performance image, beauty, authenticity. You want a really good case study in, in slavery to identity and to the law besides the Bible? Maybe the second best case study? Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Have you seen this movie? I'm talking the old school Gene Wilder one because I didn't really watch the other one. <laughs> Basically, four children enter a chocolate factory, and they are so self-addicted, they're following their hearts, and they drown in chocolate, get sucked into a garbage chute, blow up into a blueberry, and shrunk into a TV. Total destruction. That's all of us. We're all in Willy Wonka's terrible chocolate factory. <laughs> the deception of individual freedom and the deception of national freedom. What, what were they doing in this passage? They were, they were trusting their national identity over Christ. They were trusting their national heritage over Christ. You say, Brady, I don't do that. Okay. You know, obviously in the last few weeks here at Grace, we've had some discussions. We've talked about flags and things like that. I've had lots of conversations with lots of people. We've heard lots of things be spoken. So I say this out of great humility and love because as your pastor, I love you. But church, we've got to be careful because it's very easy for our national identity and our Christian identity to start to merge together and become one thing. And that's idolatry. So when, when you say something like, this is a Christian nation, that's bad hermeneutics at best and, and heresy at worst. When you say, we can worship freely because we live in a free nation, no, no, we worship freely because the Holy Spirit's in us, right? Christians in North Korea are worshiping freely. Christians in Iran are worshiping freely, not politically free. I understand the difference. I understand the difference. But they are worshiping freely, aren't they? So we have to be careful because we, we start to blur those lines, 
They start to be in denial. These leaders in John 8 are in denial about the sinful past of their own nation. They actually look at Jesus and say, we've never been slaves of anyone. What? Egypt, Philistines, Moabites, Assyrians, <laughs> Babylonians, Persians, Greeks, Romans. We've never been slaves of anyone. What is happening? And most of those they were slaves to because of their sin. Because of their sin. Christian, you have to understand that we live in a great country, but we, are, we live in a great country with a checkered past, right? And not every American has experienced America in the same way. And the ultimate that the Jewish leaders were doing is they, they started to deny the struggles of others. They started to not care about anybody else. If God has given us the gift of freedom in this country, our greatest responsibility with that gift of freedom is to use our freedom to make sure that everybody else is free. And that's true spiritually as well, isn't it? What's our spiritual responsibility? Our freedom in Christ, what's our responsibility? Make sure everybody understands freedom in Christ. What is our, what is our national responsibility? If I'm free in America, what's my national responsibility? To, to help make sure that everybody else in this country, all of my brothers and sisters, especially my black and brown brothers and sisters, that I understand that they also need to be free. And I need to work towards that end. Number three, if you want to be free indeed, find your freedom in Christ alone. If you want to be free indeed, find your freedom in Christ alone. Listen, true freedom must be given to us. It cannot be earned. It must be imputed. Anytime freedom is something that you have to go out and find or work for, or maintain, or hold on to. Are you with me? Do you see it? As soon as I have to go find my truth, find my freedom, or that's the individual, or nationally, if, I have, if we have to hold on to our freedoms, don't let them take away our freedoms. As soon as it's something to hold on to, or seek out, or maintain, it ceases to be freedom. It becomes a form of bondage. Our individual freedom and our national freedom in America are not ultimate freedom. Please understand that they are a sign. They're a gift from God. They are good. They are a good gift from God, but they are a sign pointing to ultimate freedom. Does, are you with me? Are you tracking with that? Freedom in America is a sign. It's like if I said, I'm going to go to California, and I get in my car, and I'm driving, and I see a sign, and it says, California, 2,000 more miles. And I say, that's a great sign. And I pull over, and I jump out of the car. Look at this sign, everyone. And I build a house under the sign. And I invite everybody, come live under my sign. We build schools and communities and elect a sign king to rule us. 
We didn't make it to California. Do you see the problem? We settled for the sign. We have to guard our hearts against settling for the sign of freedom and not using it as something to remind us that there's an even greater freedom. I loved what Twee said. Freedom in Christ taught her things that American freedom could never teach her. It showed her things that American freedom could never show her. So where does true freedom come from? Jesus says, abide in my word. Verse 31, abide in my word. Verse 32, you will know the truth. Freedom comes from truth. Freedom comes from truth. Listen to me, especially young people again. Freedom comes from truth, not sincerity. The sincere nurse can give her patient poison and kill him. She was sincere. Doesn't matter. That medicine was a lie. Are you with me? Freedom comes from truth, not from sincerity. We need the truth. Jesus says, my word is the truth. Verse 31, abide in my word, continue in my word, hold tight to my word, stay put in my word, and this word is the truth that will set you free. Okay, so what is God's word? What is Jesus' word? The word of God comes to us in two forms, law and gospel, law and gospel. They are both truth. Law. Law is the Word of God that says to us that there is a standard, that God is holy and perfect, and that none of us are living up to that standard. The law creates this gap between God and us, doesn't it? God is perfect, you are not. God is holy, you are not. Be perfect, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's law. Have any of you done that? Raise your hand if you've loved God perfectly. Good. Hands down. There is a gap between us. The law creates the gap. The truth of the law sets us free from the self-deception of sin. It sets us free from the self-deception of sin that says, I can do it. I'm the person. I can love God. I can climb the ladder. I can run the race. I can jump the chasm. I can do it. That's self-deception, folks. The law shows us that you can't do that. When Jesus stands up and says, be perfect, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. When he stands up and says that, that should free you from self-deception. The law also sets us free to look for a savior. See that gap? You need somebody to cross that gap for you, don't you? You need somebody to climb that ladder, climb that mountain, jump that chasm in your place. The law can set us free, but we need more. We don't need just the law, we need the gospel. We need the good news that Jesus sets us free. And here's the plot twist. <laughs> here's the plot twist of the Gospel of John. Jesus is the truth. 
He says, abide in my word and the truth will set you free. John's playing with us. If we've read the whole book, oh, John, oh, you sneaky. Because in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's, Jesus says, abide in my logos. If you've, if you've been tracking with John's gospel, you're already going, hey, wait a minute now. Jesus is the Word. Ah, I see what you're doing, Jesus. Abide in me, is what he's saying. Which, by the way, he will say directly in chapter 15. Abide in me, abide in my love. Jesus says the truth will set you free. And in John 14, guess what Jesus will say? Finish it with me. He will say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's the plot twist of Christianity, is that Jesus isn't just some prophet or teacher or guru who shows up and says, here's the truth, learn to follow it, have a good day. That's not what he did. He came and he said, I am the truth, trust me, and we'll live together forever. That's Christianity. See, every, everything else, if Jesus just tells us the truth or presents the truth and then tells us to try to figure out how to obey it, we're back in bondage. Do you see it? You're just back in bondage again. The truth will set us free. The truth of Jesus Christ and his death for us on the cross sets us free from guilt. It sets us free from judgment. It sets us free from condemnation. It sets us free from fear and worry about our future. It sets us free from the burden of the law. It sets us free from performing and earning. It sets us free by giving us unconditional love and grace. Jesus is saying, come play on my team. You get the trophy first, then you play the game. <laughs> Jesus is saying, he is saying, look, I know, I know how it usually works is you go to court, you're found guilty, and then you do community service. In my courtroom, I call you innocent, and then we do community service. That's what he's inviting us to. But there's more. The gospel is not just freedom from, the gospel is also freedom to. Freedom to. Look at Jesus' words in verse 35. The slave, 34, everyone who's sinning is a slave to sin. Everybody who's practicing sin is a slave to sin. We're under the power of sin. And then, but then he offers hope. 34 is law, 35 is gospel. 34 is law, 35 is gospel. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. Okay, pause. The slave lives in the house. The son lives in the house. But one of these two is going. Eventually, the time runs out on one of them. And Jesus is talking about his own culture that day. If I got a slave living in my house and I got, a, I got my own kid living in my house, eventually one of these two people is moving out. Jesus might even be taking us back to Ishmael and Isaac. Do you remember that story? Abraham had a baby with the slave woman, Hagar, the slave son, Ishmael. And one day, 
Sarah came to Abraham and said, Get that slave woman out of my house. It's a sad story. But Abraham did it, didn't he? He kicked out the slave woman and he kicked out the slave son. And all that remained was Isaac, the son born of freedom. You have an opportunity this morning to change your status from slave to son. The slave doesn't stay forever. The son does. And who the son, the son, big S-O-N, who the son sets free is free indeed. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm not just going to free you from sin and condemnation. I'm going to free you to be my child, to be my brother, my sister, to come into the house. This isn't about Independence Day. This is about Dependence Day. Move in with me, little orphan Annie. Move in. You get the whole place. Do you remember that scene in the movie? She moves in and she's like, first I'll wash the windows, then I'll scrub the floors. Come on, y'all have seen this movie, right? Okay, it's not or something. <laughs> so I'm going to do all the cleaning. And then, then, then they're like, no, no, you're not a slave. You're a kid in the house. Play tennis, go swimming, right? Christian, that's you. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you believe that? You are part of the family. You're free, listen, listen, you're free from finding yourself to just being yourself. How do you act in your own house? Nobody else that, you know, you know, you know, you know, come on, you know what I'm talking about. You do things in your own house that you would never do anywhere else, right? You tell dumb jokes, you, you dress different, you walk around. I, I, am a, I am terrified of dancing in public, but I will dance around my house if there's nobody in my house, right? Anybody, anybody testify? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> Come on. You know you act weirder in your own house. <laughs> Why? Because you're free. You're free. In your own home, you're free. You're more honest. You can risk. You can confess. When you have Christ, you're free to love, free to risk, free to confess, free to be honest, free to not be in control, free to not have it all together. Listen, when my sons come over to my house, I have two sons that don't live in my house, but they come to my house. They can open my fridge. They can use any bathroom they want, not just the guest bathroom, right? I even let them touch the remote control. None of the rest of you all would get any of that treatment from me. <laughs> but Alex and Carter and Victoria and Andrew, when they come over my house, they are free indeed, aren't they? Free indeed. You see, when you're this free in Christ, you are now able to put all your other freedoms, your lesser freedoms, individual freedom, national freedom, you're able to put those aside, aren't you? And see that they're just signs 
Don't build a civilization around the sign. Trust your freedom, freedom in Christ and be ready to give up all your other freedoms for the sake of love. Because that's when you know you're really free. How, Brady, how do I know when I'm free indeed? Here's the answer. When you're able to give up your freedom for the sake of love. Now you know you're free. Now you know you're free. Remember our words? Desire, ability, opportunity, good. With Jesus, you get them all. He changes your desires, doesn't he? In Romans 6, Paul says, I'll read it. But thanks be to God, Romans 6, 17, that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. What an amazing sentence. Your desire has changed. That's a new covenant promise, Christian, that you have a new heart. You have a new desire. Does Christ also give us a new ability? Yes, He does. Thank you, whoever said it. Christ gives us a new desire. He gives us a new ability. Does being in Christ, being in the church, does that give us all kinds of opportunity? <laughs> yes, it does. And in the end, does it all work out for good? In the end, are you going to get to heaven and say, I regret being a Christian. I wish I had made a different decision in my life. I wish I had spent my freedom differently. I promise you, Christian, you will not say that. I promise you. You will not say that. Because when you see Jesus face to face, mm, you will truly be free. You will truly be glorious and beautiful. John Dunn, poet, put it this way. Listen carefully. It's Old English. Listen carefully. Holy Sonnet 14, one of my favorites. Listen for the language of freedom, but also slavery to God. He says this, Batter my heart, three-personed God. For you, as yet, but knock, breathe, shine, and seek to mend, that I may rise and stand, overthrow me, and bend your force to break, blow, burn, and make me new. I, like a usurped town to another do, labor to admit you, but oh, to no end. Reason, your viceroy in me, truth, truth, <laughs> he calls it reason. Reason, your viceroy in me, me should defend, but is captived and proves weak or untrue. Yet dearly I love you, and would be loved fain, but am betrothed to your enemy. Divorce me, untie, or break that knot again. Take me to you, imprison me, for I, except you enthrall me, never shall be free, nor ever chaste, except you ravish me. Let's pray. Batter our hearts, three-person God. Imprison us. Set us free. 
and then imprison us in your love. Take control. Change our desires. Give us the ability. Give us the opportunity. Jesus, we know that with you it all works for good. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for the signposts of freedom, personal freedom, national freedom. But God, let us not build a civilization around that sign. Rather, let us build our hearts around true freedom in Jesus Christ. God, for any who are still exploring Christianity, we pray today that they would take a minute and see that so much of what they love, so much of what they believe in is from Christ. May they make that leap and see that the one who gives freedom, who offers tolerance, who offers acceptance and equality is worth giving our whole life, lives to. Jesus is worth becoming a slave to. Continue to show us these things, dear Jesus, as we gather around the table together. We pray in your name. Amen.